0: Today, we are talking about financial empowerment. Now, I have seen the enormous impact that being financially empowered has on people's lives. So, I want to talk about what is financial empowerment, how do you actually get it, and what can you expect on the other side? Welcome to the Financially Fierce Podcast. My name is Jessica Brady. Now, this podcast is for everyone that wants to learn how to make fierce and bold choices with their money to live a great life. And I guess I wanna say from the very beginning that being financially fierce doesn't mean that you have all the answers or that you're not ever scared. Instead, what I want you to think about is we're invited to make brave decisions. Brave in that you're gonna be called to really check yourself, to do things that you've never done before, to push yourself probably far out of your comfort zone in your quest to achieve whatever it is that you wanna do in your one big life. And because fear is so common in the money world, I think fear is the exact opposite of what it means to be financially fierce. We need to remember that fear is always going to sit with us and we've got to learn how do we take steps to get over to the other side because that, my friends, I believe is where the magic happens. So I invite you, along with me, to be fierce in all of our day-to-day money decisions, to step up, to take action, to lean in, even when it feels really uncomfortable to level up your money skills and go to wherever it is that you want to go i'm really excited that you're here so who am i well i'm a money educator and i run the greenhouse money growing program which no doubt you're going to hear more about over time now my name is jessica brady let's get financially fierce hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place Today, I want to talk about financial empowerment in sort of four broad areas or categories that I want to deep dive into. And no doubt over time, we're going to have specific episodes that dive really deep into some of these elements. But I wanted to give you, I guess, a bit of a roadmap or the different things that you need to think about when it comes to being financially empowered. Because having worked with hundreds and hundreds of people at our core, most of us, well, we want security, but we also want autonomy and we want choice. We want to do things in our life because we want to not because we have to. And that to me embodies financial empowerment. So let's get into what are those different steps? Where are you at now? And what can you do about any gaps or areas that are missing for you? Now, the first one is all around beliefs. And stick with me because I realize that that's a strange place to start when we're talking about money stuff. But what I know with a lot of conviction is that your thoughts, beliefs, habits, and actions they're going to drive outcomes. And I want to remind you, as we talk today about financial empowerment, is that it comes en route. You are definitely starting scared. You're starting not knowing where the end might be, not knowing exactly what the path might look like, and you probably don't feel overly confident right now. But think about anything that you do. You started scared. In fact, and this is a strange story, but I'm going to start with this. Last night, I had a giant spider in my house, giant spider. And I very calmly and swiftly got a giant Tupperware thing and a letter and I got it out safely. Everyone lived. We moved on. My friend who was staying at my house could not believe how calm I was getting this giant huntsman out of my house. And I have to say, it was still scary, but it was nowhere near as scary as the first time I did it. And it reminded me, knowing that today we were going to have this conversation that we all start somewhere that the first time we do something it feels awful and actually a lot of the time that we have to do those big scary things it's often because we're forced to now the problem with that when it comes to financial empowerment is that we don't want to wait for one of those really big life events to be thrust up upon us for us to take action because often they're charged with emotional you know situations and big life things that are happening so instead of waiting for the spider that suddenly arrives in your dining room, you need to think about how you can take the steps right now to move yourself forward. And I want you to really think about what you believe about money. So let's talk about beliefs when it comes to being financially empowered. I want you right now to give some thought to how you feel about money. How do you feel about money? Why is it that you feel whatever it is that you feel about money? And whatever the answer is, I want you to then ask yourself, is that actually true? Is it true? And are those beliefs helping or harming you? In my world, in the money world, we don't give, I think, enough time and space for connecting the money in your bank account to your emotional belief systems that you have probably held since you were a child about money. Now, we know that this is often based on what you did or didn't see in your house or your surroundings when it comes to all the financial stuff. And even if you don't really know how you feel about money, I need you to know that you have a belief system. And so for me, who's worked in financial services for a long time, about 10 years ago, I actually sat down and asked myself these questions and I was really shocked at the answers. I had a really negative relationship with money, despite being quite a good saver, working in an investment bank and thinking that I kind of knew what I was doing. I had a lot of negative beliefs about money that I wasn't acutely aware of and what I didn't realise was that those beliefs were actually harming how I was behaving with money. I was holding myself back. I was waiting to have all of these answers that practically were impossible to receive and I missed so much opportunity and I wasted so much time. Now, you might be driving your car right now And if you are, or if you have ever driven a car, I want you to think about the first time you got behind the wheel. I don't know about you, I was terrified. Not only did my first drive include going on a very busy main road, my dad also made me pull up to the petrol station, which was extremely terrifying, and I was worried that I was going to go through the bowser. But I did it. And I don't know about you, but if you're driving for a long time, you don't even think about those things now. And so I hope, especially if right now you're feeling a little bit scared or overwhelmed or just not really feeling very confident with money, I want you to remember that we all level up and grow and some of the things that you're currently terrified about in years to come, you will not even think about them. They will just become really easy and normal habits within your life. That's where we want to get to, especially when it comes to your money. So if you're driving, the best thing that I can say to you when it comes to financial empowerment is that you, my friend, are navigating this. You are definitely in the driving seat. And so your job is to remember that you control the wheel and you get to decide whether we go left or whether we go right or whether we stop or start. And for so many people, they feel quite disempowered when they talk to me about money. They feel so much shame and guilt and overwhelm and they don't really feel like they are in the driver's seat. In fact, they don't even really feel like they're in the front seat at all, that they're in the back seat and they're just going along for the ride and that is not where we want you to be at all. I want you to feel excited. I want you to feel like you're in charge and that you are going to be making the choices that dictate the outcomes of your life. So with that in mind, let's move on to point two. I think it's really important for you to figure out where are you at right now? I don't know, do a bit of a stock take. You know how shops do that a couple of times a year? A financial stock take. Where are you at right now? And this could look different for everyone, but as a general starting point, what kind of assets do you have? So think about any money you got in the bank, any investments, don't forget your super, do a bit of a hit list and do a bit of a temperature check. Where have I got my stuff? Why do I have my things there? Did I give it any thought or did I just go along for the ride? Or maybe you're just at the very beginning and you're starting to build assets. Then think about if you've got any debts, what that looks like. It's amazing how many people talk to me and they know that they've got debt, but they actually have no idea what the total amount of debt they've got is. So figure out what assets do you have? what debts have you got? Then I want you to do a bit of a spending audit, which can be really scary, but very insightful. Where's your money going? And what financial life admin has been gathering dust? And I'm guilty of this too. We are all guilty. Being an adult is much harder than I thought it was going to be. The brochure for adulthood, I believe, is quite (laughs) misleading. There's always things that we put on our to-do list. And often, especially if they're not screaming at us, they sit there and they wait really patiently. But if time is money, that could potentially be lots of opportunity cost to these gathering dust right now. So think about all of those little financial hygiene things that you've been promising or threatening to do that haven't got quite finished yet. List them all out because then we've got a starting base. We can start figuring out where are we at, what's working really well, where are there missing pieces, either partially or completely, and what do you need to do in terms of time, resources, effort, energy, I don't know, people to keep you accountable to actually get the stuff moving? Because what I've found, especially when people are early on in their financial journey, is that they actually are so scared to do stock takes because they don't want to see the answers. And so instead of opening, I don't know, their letter from their super fund or checking their bank account or, you know, looking at what their insurances are, they actively run the other way. And people who want to be financially empowered need to do the very opposite. So book in some time with yourself. I do this probably more regularly than you would want to. I do it every week. I sit down every Monday at 5 o'clock and I figure out where is my stuff up to, what's missing, and what is practically actionable this week. And I didn't do this for a long time. I'd, I've always been a very challenged, goal-oriented person. But to be really honest, I never could figure out why as someone who you know, wanting to do great things. I couldn't ever get the outcomes that I wanted. And then I realized it was something so stupidly obvious. It was just about booking in time and actually carving out time. And I think I was waiting for the perfect time, the perfect moment. I was waiting to feel motivated to do the thing. And if you've ever heard Mel Robbins speak, she likes to bust that quite completely and says... You don't wait to be motivated. You make space and you do it anyway. Don't wait. If you didn't do it during a period of time where we're all locked in and bored as hell, you're probably not going to be waiting for that rainy day. So having failed at this for many years, I'd love for you to think about when you do your stock take, how can you create an environment where... You're not just doing it once and then leaving it to go to dust again and then picking it all back up. We want to bring consistency into your financial world so that you can start feeling like there's a rhythm and that you're nailing things because once you start moving on action items, it actually feels really good. You feel like you're smart. <laughs> and then it gives you the motivation that you need to get going on the other stuff. So now that you've done your stock take and you're not running away from learning about the things that you maybe have done so in the past, the third thing that I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself, where is it that you want to go? What do you actually want to do? Now, for some of you, this is super easy and you're probably yelling them at me. Thank you. <laughs> but for others, this is it really hard? I'm fascinated by the idea that we spend more time planning holidays and meals than our life. And it can be tricky because, I don't know, sometimes I don't even know what I'm having for dinner, let alone what I want my life to look like in 20 years. But without giving it any thought, you're probably going to waste money, you're going to waste time, and you may not be able to live the life that you really wanted to. So your financial goals, I think, need to be front and center of all money strategies. We want them to be the center of your little money universe. And one of the common mistakes that people make when it comes to financial goals is, firstly, they don't have any, so they need some to begin with. Secondly, they haven't figured out why they want to do the thing. Like they're shooting, people are shooting all over them. You know, you should buy a house, you should have kids, you should go and buy the car or whatever it is. We've got to be really clear on why do we want to have that goal? Why is it important to us? What's it going to give us? And how much is it going to cost? And then once we've figured those out and we have to feel really connected to them for our brain to give two hoots, then you've got to find a way to save for them because people all the time, they save what's left. And they spend on shit that honestly, in the long run, they do not get any value from. So we want to save for the goal that lights us up as soon as we get paid. And we want to stop being swept into the social media world where we're keeping up with the Joneses, which is every time that we're, you know, opening any of the apps, we're getting bombarded with messages that were not enough, that to be the coolest, hottest, bestest version of ourselves we need to buy the thing and when you don't have financial goals that you care about it can be really easy to be swept into that think oh my gosh that would be really cool or I've wanted that or whatever when you've got financial goals that you love it's very easy to look at that thing and go no thanks this thing is far more important to me and obviously I'm not saying you shouldn't ever buy the thing sure if it's budgeted for buy the thing but not at the cost of the bigger stuff the bigger stuff that's longer and often harder to get we've got to get really clear so we can then say yes to what we want to and no to what we don't need One of the things that I also like to think about when I'm setting financial goals, and I take this pretty seriously, I do this in December every year. And then over January, I really get much more into it. I spent three and a half hours on Saturday just taking my December plans to the next level. And I've done that for the last few years. But I want you to think about why you want the goal and what life would look like for you if you achieved it. Really think about like, what would it actually practically mean? And if there's no significant change, then is it really going to motivate you and excite you to keep on track with it? Now, sometimes our brains are funny, peculiar things. And actually, what I've learned, and this is weird, is that did you know that we're far more motivated by fear than we are reward? And whilst I realise that's not very like Instagram worthy, you know, inspo-y, I feel like we've got to hack ourselves into empowerment. So if you've got goals, I want you to think about what life would be like if you never achieved them. How would you feel? What would it mean in terms of your life? And are you okay with that? And if the answer's no what's probably happened is your brain's just got a little bit of a rush of, oh my God, I totally can't have that happen. I could never, you know, keep going around in circles like this forever or I would hate to be in this level of debt for the rest of my life or whatever it is for you. And let that motivation, my friends, kick you into gear. So that brings me to my last point. You got to do the work. What I want you to consider is where you are willing to make trade-offs. Are you actually prepared to make changes, to become financially empowered, to have the thing that you want. Now, annoyingly, trade-offs, I think, are always required, always. And you're going to have to say no to things. Maybe you're going to have to go without, I don't know, scale back, make some drastic, crazy changes. But you have to decide, again, in the driver's seat, do you want to? Are you prepared to? What is that actually going to mean for you? And is it realistic? And if you don't want your goal enough to say yes to some of these, then I think you've got to go back and you've got to change them. And you've got to make ones that you actually are prepared to fight for. Most money-related goals that I've helped people with, they require practical steps. We need to take action. We need to do something to make it work. So once you've considered what are your financial goals, what I want you to think about is like, where to from here? What do you need to investigate? What do you need to learn, research, review to get you on track? So if we're going to do the work, let's talk about practically how to incorporate this in no doubt a busy life that you lead. Because every money goal that I've ever encountered, I don't know, helping people and also for myself, annoyingly, they require actions. I've got to do the things. I've got to show up. I've got to carve out time, even when I'm busy and stressed and have competing priorities to make them work. So if this is you, probably just sitting down and figuring out what do you need to investigate? What do you need to learn about when it comes to money? What research are you keen to do? And what reviews do you need to do? Maybe you want to check your super. I don't know. Maybe you've been investing and you're not quite sure exactly why you're invested in what you're invested in. Figure out what that looks like for you and think honestly about how you're currently managing that process. Are you like old me that was like haphazard and just hoping that it would all... Figure itself out and then getting frustrated that I was working really hard in my day to day, but it wasn't translating to goals? Or are you like the new, somewhat improved me <laughs> who has actually made time every week to sit down and be an adult to myself and say, Jess, what do you actually need to do this week? And when are you going to do it? And is that realistic? Put it in your diary. Because most people don't have any processes when it comes to financial tasks, and it's very haphazard and annoyingly. I've also seen that haphazard approaches to money lead to haphazard results. Block time in your diary, create money dates, either with yourself or your partner or your money BFF if you got one. Block time for actioning items and you want to review, reflect, celebrate and recalibrate as you need. So as I mentioned before, I want you to live a life where you feel financially empowered. You are doing the work, you understand why you're doing whatever it is that's right for you. You know where things are at in your money world and you know where it is that you want to go. We're looking for progress, not perfection. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, I'm back. Each episode, I want to answer a question from the This Is Money Facebook group. So let's kick it off. Now, this question comes from Ruskia. Now, she said... Is it better to start investing or wait till I build up an emergency savings account and then focus on investments? She gives us some context. She says, I have no consumer debt aside from a mortgage and currently my income goes towards paying off the mortgage, the bills, and then the living expenses. My plan is to make this year the year of saving and investing. I don't have an emergency fund and plan to put away three months of salary aside for this, but also want to put away 200 bucks a fortnight across super ETFs or managed funds and HECs, so about $600 in total. So, my very clear advice, if you are wanting to start on your investment journey, but you don't have emergency savings, is you've got to start there. Now, it can feel really annoying and it might take a long time to build it all up, but I sort of feel like if you remember playing Monopoly, we don't pass go until we've got an emergency savings account. How much do you need? Well, if you can tell me exactly what emergency you're going to have and when you're going to have it, I'll be able to forecast that for you. But annoyingly, that's not really how emergencies work. So, what we tend to say is a general rule of thumb is like three to six months worth of expenses. Obviously, six months means you've got more bandwidth should something really terrible happen. Three months worth is a really nice starting point. So, I see this all the time. In fact, I reckon it's the most common money question that I get. Is like, should I start investing or should I build up my savings because I've got no emergency fund yet? So my very clear answer is build emergency fund. We do not pass go into the investing world until we've got that ready. And... I feel like the last few years have really helped us understand that life is really unknown and things can come out of nowhere, whether you, I don't know, get sick, or someone around you gets sick, maybe it's just that the cost of living is absolutely pummeling your cash flow and you just need to make sure that there's some backup in case, I don't know, the fridge breaks or the car shuts down or the dog gets sick, whatever it is, we want to make sure we've got that emergency fund. Once we've got that, then we can start thinking about where do we deploy our spare cash. So if we're not putting the $600 away a fortnight, which is Raskia's amount that she said she's got, what it means is we're going to actually hit the emergency fund target faster, which is exciting because what sits on the other side of that is all the cool stuff that you want to work through. Here's something that I also like to remind people when it comes to emergency savings. Emergencies are not little whoopsies. So I like to have emergency savings. Now, an emergency to me is something really bad and unexpected has popped up in life and money doesn't necessarily solve all of it, but it can help alleviate some of the problem. But I also like to have what's called like a cash buffer amount. And this is when you know, maybe a bill is higher than you expected or you needed to just dip into something because maybe you spent too much money over the weekend or whatever it is. That to me is not an emergency, but I see it time and time again that people do in the ebbs and flows of life need to dip into somewhere and if they don't have a little cash buffer amount that they're putting away every week, it ends up coming from emergency savings or they end up, I don't know, using a credit card or using Afterpay or whatever. So emergency savings are for true and real emergencies if you were to start investing, let's say you don't take my advice and you're like, thanks Jess, I'm starting investing anyway. What might happen is an emergency pops up, you've invested your money and now the market's gone down. And because you need money quickly, you're actually needing to sell out of that share portfolio or whatever it is that you invested in for a loss. Or it might be that you invested for such a short space of time, you actually didn't think through the fact that You're now paying a large amount because you didn't get the capital gains tax discount, which we can talk about at another time. So why we want emergency savings is that we're selling assets in the future because we want to, not because we have to, not because we've got ourselves in a sticky situation and that's our only option. You can call it your options fund, whatever's going to work for you. Figure out how much you need to put away every pay cycle, set it up so it's an automation. If you need to, put it with a different bank if that was going to help you not look at it and decide that you want to spend it on the newest, latest, greatest thing. But you've got to find a system that is automated and simple so that you get out of your own way, you build that up, and then you can move on to the exciting, fun stuff like investing. Now, if you have a question for me, you can slide on into the DMs of my Instagram. It is Jess Brady, one word, underscore financial advice. However... A note, I can't give you personal financial advice on Instagram. Just a heads up. But if you do want to learn more about what I do, then you can find more info about me in the show notes. I really hope that you found this valuable. I would love so much if you did. If you could share it with friends or family members that you think will find it valuable as well. Thank you so much for listening. Go, go and be financially fierce. Bye. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live and work and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to this podcast. Jessica Brady is an authorised representative of Paragen Proprietary Limited, authorised representative number 1259972, AFSL 297276, ABN 16108571875, corporate authorised representative number 1305567. Any information or advice contained within this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of an individual. Financially Fierce is produced by the team at This Is Money. Keep the conversation going in the This Is Money Facebook group linked in the show notes.